welcome you to this podcast on the series of what are the differences between the really good performers and the absolutely outstanding performers. And today I'm speaking with Emma Harris, performance psychologist from Tasmania. Now, Emma's background is she's worked with a lot of different sports, but primarily cricket and golf. And I can certainly vouch for her performance in a golf setting. I've watched her work and it's absolutely brilliant. She's not just one of the best performance psychologists in Tassie, but certainly in Australia as well. Um, Emma, thanks for taking the time to chat today. Thank you for having me. It's really good. I'm looking forward to having a good chat. A few issues that we can discuss and not else, so it'll be good. <laughs> oh, I think we'll leave mine alone. Yeah. <laughs> so tell me, what, why, what made you interested in becoming in the sports psychology, uh, performance psychology? I get asked this a lot, really, and I, I, I like telling the story because I'm one of those rare cases going through college that um, always asked, you know, what are you going to do once you finish school? What's, what are your plans? And for me... Being from a sporting background, I always some, um, like weighed up the sports teacher or going to some sort of personal training. And for me, I just it didn't sit well. And I started doing a couple of um, subjects in the way of sports science and psychology, and it just kind of meshed really well to me. I've always been involved in coaching and really liked um, the inner details behind the actual performance. So. From, I think about grade 11, grade 12, I was, bang, sports psychology, that's what I want. And I've worked from a full six, you know, four and six to six year degree, basically, um, to get that. I know a lot of my friends sit there and go, you're amazing in <laughs> the fact that you're stuck with something for so long. But once it was in my mind, it was, yep, sports psychology to me, and that's, that's what I want to do. Okay. Yeah. I'm sure it's going to be a, it's going to be a lot longer time in the future yeah, too. Yeah. Yep. And I really enjoy it, so I'm glad I found my little niche early, so I can stick with it for a while and see where it takes me. <laughs> I was really looking forward to the chat because you work with a whole range of sports. I mentioned cricket and golf, but there's a whole lot of others as well. What I'm curious about is whether there are any common themes that athletes bring in those situations in those different sports. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of um, common themes that come across. Um, with different performances, even if it's a, a team-based versus an individual-based sport, there's always, you know, a sense of anxiety, stress, mm. worry, um, control over focus, and wanting to control as much as possible. You find with athletes and coaches, they love to have everything there so they can make the predictable outcomes. Um, and you know, in sport, there's never any predictable mm. outcomes. Something will change, and those coping skills to be able to change to those is really important. So. From when I'm working with cricket versus with golf, you know, there are some really closed skills they're needed, so therefore the closed um, attention and focus is needed. But then you've got the bigger sports with AFL and, um, you know, team sports, basketball and things like that. That needs a whole different range, but it comes from the same basis, really. There's all the, really a lot of, um, yeah, similar situations from athlete to athlete that I deal with, yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. And... I know with a lot of golfers, um, they've asked the question about technique things and sort of said, you know, am I the only one who does this? Yep. Is it the same with psychology? Yeah, definitely. So I think uh, a, common, a common line that comes in with a lot of the clients that I work with is they look at me and after spilling, you know, their guts on what's been going on and the experiences they've been having, you get a lot of, you know, am I the only one that does this? You know, does anyone else you know deal with these mm -hmm. situations and 
for me, saying to them, look, you know, it's quite normal for you to feel that way. Yes, it's distressing at times, and yes, it's uncomfortable, but this is just what a natural um, reaction that our, you know, our body and our mind tells us in these certain situations. So, like, I, I love seeing the relief on their face mm. at times, going, oh, thank God, you know, this is this is something that I just wanted, you know, wanted to know whether I was the only person struggling something like this. So, again similar things coming from different types of athletes but also that that feeling of normality is really really important to some of them so with a lot of those skills even if they know that they're in the same boat as a lot of others it's sort of like well i still want to do something about it yep so how about we look at some like some scenarios what are some Mm -hmm. examples of the types of things that are, are commonly brought to you yep um so i think one of the the most common is uh the attention um on their on their performances quite Mm. often we get lost in our own mind and doing what our mind tells us so for example if we use golf looking at a putt that you're about to take that distance from that um you know from where you've got to take a shot and sitting there going am i going to do this where is this going to leave me afterwards can i make this shot what happens if I don't and I'm going to be behind? All those normal, you know, thoughts that go through our head. And then the attachment that a lot of athletes and, you know, just in everyday life stuff that we put onto those thoughts and then we see that as the reality. So quite often when it comes to attention and focus, it's on all the internal stuff. Mm. It's not about the distraction or how many people are watching and who's seeing it. It's those internal thought processes that are going on that we get it, you know, attach ourselves to and they start to lose focus because they're not, they're, you know, they're being driven by those internal things rather than actually getting through the task and taking that next step to perform the skill rather mm. than what's going on. In so they're thinking about the consequences, the yep. what ifs. Yep, a lot of the what ifs, I should have done this, what happens if that happens to me and the anxiety that comes with that. So as soon as we start to attach ourselves to those thoughts that are going through our head, it just bubbles and bubbles and bubbles. And we're trying to, you know, then you get the, oh, don't worry about it, or just calm down, relax, you'll be fine, which then fuels that fire even more. Um, And that's when the worry and the stress starts to accumulate because you're just thinking, oh, I shouldn't be thinking like that, but I am thinking like that, but I need to start thinking like this. So... It's a, it's a wicked game going on in yeah. our head and it's our mind driving it as soon as we're putting attention to it. So how do you rein that in? It's, um, there's many, like I suppose, many different ways that you can do it. One that I'm, uh, I suppose, a big advocate on is the acceptance and commitment therapy and mindfulness approaches to, um, to focus and attention. So you're looking at, okay, well, what are, what are the situations going on for you and what's happening right now, bringing it into the present moment and then just being a little bit more aware of the context that you're in and and taking that step to going, right, um, you know, here we are, this is what's going on, but I've got a task, task to do. These are the important things for me. Is it important for me to be focusing on those stuff, in my, that stuff going on in my head or is it important for me to be focusing on my things and what I want to achieve and the value that I have in my sport? and um, the goals that I'm trying to achieve. So looking at that, it's a lot of, you know, being aware of where your mind takes you in certain situations and having the choice to bring that back into, you know, more important tasks and more important actions rather than being lost and dragged away into, you know, a big sinking ship that is our mind at times. So, yeah, it's 
it's pulling it apart a little bit and just being more aware of our own situations, our own experiences and how we can go from one spot to another to another purely by our thoughts taking us there. Okay, so a lot of players, a lot of athletes, a lot of people, yeah. when, they're, when those, those thoughts do run amok, it's almost like they feel like they can't rein them in. Mm. It's overwhelming. And the thing is, is this is when I, I suppose the normal reaction for us is to, we need to control it. We need to fix it. And as people do, you know, if we've, you know, broken a tap in the, in the laundry, we have to fix it. So we try and apply that same strategy to our mind. So there's a problem in going on with the way that I'm doing something. I need to fix it. Well, actually, it's not the the problem as such it's just how we approach that problem mm. with that fixing and controlling mentality we sometimes need to just take that step back and go right it's always going to be there every time i step step up to you know tee off or make a putt i'm going to get nervous because mm. i know that i'm going to question myself i know that that's there and it's a matter of going right well here it is but i've still got a job to do i've still got things on that to get through this shot I need to do that despite what's going on in my head and what, you know, what my mind is telling me. I need to start going through those motions and going, right, this is how I do it, sticking to my task, you know, instead of the fix, 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 get rid of it, get rid of it, get rid of it. It's always going to pop back up again. Mm. But the more we become accepting of that, the more focused and more at ease a lot of, I see a lot of players and athletes do, is that they're happy to be uncomfortable in certain situations because they know that if they stay focused on what they want to do, they're actually going to achieve those goals that they're working towards. And does, does that idea of accepting those bad thoughts, is that, um, over time, does that disempower them to, to a certain extent? Um, disempower in what way? Just... They don't feel they as don't overwhelming. Feel, yeah, I think it's kind of like that... Um, you're not ignoring it, but you're accept- You're just saying, hi, you know, you're there, I know you're there, but I've still got to and do things so that the ease, it's less attachment to it, basically, in that to start off with, when we start to get feel that um, the hinders in our performance a little bit, that's when we feel so muddled up about what's going on. But the more we start to, okay, yep, I know you're there, but I've still got stuff to do, it eases out. And... Whether it actually, you know, people start to feel a little bit less attached to it is a good thing. But also, it might not happen, but it's still there. But they're still, you know, getting the power of going through what they want to do. So it's not just, okay, you're there, whatever. They do, you know, less less focus on it. Mm. So, so they're not like... separating. It's not a conscious separation. Yeah. As such as what we do, you know, in the gradual stages of, you know, helping an athlete focusing on their attention mm. um it becomes just an automatic thing to them of yep okay you're there keep going yeah yeah so it's like i acknowledge i'm nervous or i acknowledge i'm fearful mm. but that's okay yeah it's i've okay. still got to perform well and that's the thing is that um quite often when i talk to athletes it's it's saying to them you're you're putting yourself into a situation that not every not like every person does mm. you're putting yourself out there to be judged by others you know, be compared to others in the way of performance. So you're actually putting yourself into a high pressure situation. And for you to be completely calm and happy and great in those situations, it's you'd be end up being a robot mm. because you're putting your time, your effort and your you know, your blood, sweat and tears into something that you absolutely love and means something to you. It's okay to be stressed over that. 
it's just what you do with that, you know, that stress, whether you attach yourself to it or you use that stress as a, a pathway for you to re- reach what you want to achieve. Mm. Yeah. You mentioned a couple of other things. One of them was the idea of mindfulness. Yep. So, um, like, there's been a lot spoken and written about that. So what is it and how does it apply to sport? Um, I suppose with the way with mindfulness, it's a, it's a way of bringing back... Um, a present moment focus on on what's going on and allowing yourself to just be a bit more aware um, and not have so much judgment on the thoughts and and experiences that you go through. So for example, that that straightaway of, oh, I don't like the colour blue because I see a blue pen. Well, that's that judgment put there straight away and then therefore we don't use the pen because it's, it's blue. So quite often in sport we get those judgments on our own performances, on other people's performances. So using mm. that mindfulness is actually just a way of centering yourself a little bit and, dis- and detaching yourself away from those judgments that we often do, which often then affect our behaviours. So mindfulness is it's not meant to be a relaxation type tool. It's more of an awareness type tool so that you actually can pick up on the... Um, the areas of your focus. So whether you are internally focusing on all those unhelpful thoughts going on in your head mm. versus, okay, being aware that they're there, but you've still got the choice to do behaviours. You've still got manageable actions that you can put in place regardless of you know how you're thinking, how you're feeling, what emotions are going on for you. Mm. Yeah, so I use it in sport as a way of, again, awareness, acknowledging what's going on. And then you've got that choice to, to go you know, through with your actions and your behaviours that you want to do or getting caught up in it. So using mindfulness, there are the benefits of a bit of relaxation with it, but it's not a solely relaxation-focused type of approach. So with something like that, do you actually set um, an athlete or, or, or another client, do you set mm-hmm. them tasks to do sort of yep. outside of their performance yeah, arena? So Usually if I use a mindfulness-based um, approach, it's starting off with something quite comical, really, in that you, we sit there and we um, look at, say, uh, a sultana or a, um, a, a food, because that's something that we do quite automatically. It's like that um, driving from one place to another, say, from work to home, and all of a sudden you get home and you go, hang on, how many red lights have I gone through? I can't even remember driving that whole place. Yeah. And... That's that mindlessness in that our mind has allowed us to wander off and we're not actually focusing on that task of driving. We could have hit three people on the Mm. way and not realised. So starting off with something quite small and external like, say, a sultana or eating food, um, it's something that we can see. So it's breaking it down and being aware that this is the task that we're focusing on right now. Let's see how quickly it takes our mind away from things. Um, again, then we move into more of a breathing type stuff and then it fits into a routine within the sport. So, okay, if we look at something like cricket, um, players either facing a delivery or, or bowling themselves, they've got that short amount of time between deliveries to actually reset themselves. And that's often the, the key time when um, a player can actually lose focus on what's going on because if they've just nicked a ball and they look at it and go, oh, I nearly got out on that one, better not do that again, oh, I did that last time, and that trail of um, judgment comes along in the way of their performance. Using a mindfulness technique can actually acknowledge that they're the thoughts that are mm-hmm. going on, but then allow themselves to refocus on the delivery that's coming towards them. So things like that, integrating it into the actual sport, we start, start small and build it into something that's realistic, 
athletes start to get more of an understanding and it becomes part of their, their routines when they're playing. So it's, mm. it's, it's a very useful technique. doesn't suit everyone. It is a, it's a different type of approach, but um, willing to try it, you actually see some sort of benefit, hopefully. You know. Yeah, so from, from what you're saying, it's if I've got this right, yep. it's like you're attending only to the things that you need to attend mm. to, yep. including how you're thinking. Yeah, and it's weighing up those options of... Is it helpful for me to be focusing on the fact that I missed, you know, a couple of shots to, you know, two deliveries ago, mm. versus no, it's not important for me to do that. What's important is the fact that there's a ball coming towards me right now, and I need to focus on that ball. So it's giving yourself, yeah, that choice of attention, but also being aware of where your mind, what your mind says to you, and where it tries to take you, because we are we are quite critical on ourselves at times, and that comes with sport as well, because again, we're being compared, we're being. You know, we're trying to make it to be at our mm. best and quite often that just goes completely the other way when we let our minds take us that way. Yeah, yeah. that's excellent. And there was one other thing that, yep. you, that you mentioned earlier that sort of goes along with this and that's the idea of values. Yep. What's a value? Value, um, and this sits very much in the, the approach that acceptance and commitment therapy mm. does, is that it, all the um, actions and things that we do and that the the performance that we try to achieve, it comes down to what means something to us. Um, so values aren't looking at those goals that you're trying to achieve. The value is is the behaviours and the reasons why you're trying to achieve those goals. So, what do I want this for? Yeah, it's more the journey that you're trying to mm-hmm. take. And so if you look back at your career as an athlete, you can kind of say, well, how would I like to be... Um, Described, and that's when you get that. Uh, I'd like to be described as a hard worker, a you know committed person, a leader. All these types of things that are meaningful for you, that drive the behaviours that you do. So, why, what are the reasons why you play golf? Why do you play cricket? What, what sport? You know, what is it that you invest so much time to sport, rather than why are you here? Mm. What is it you're trying to achieve? It's more the reasons, as you as a character, what makes you a person. So those those values that drive the behaviours. So instead of having the choice of listening to what your mind's telling you at the most critical time, you've got that choice of going, okay, I'm being really critical, but to me, that's not important. It's important for me to actually show that I can push through these challenges. It's important for me to show my very best whenever I can. So they're those values that are coming through in the performances and the, the actions that athletes take. Okay. Yeah. And do athletes generally know what those values are? It's quite. It's a hard question to ask. And the amount of blank faces that you can get at times of going, you know, what is really meaningful for you? So nutting those out can be quite a challenge for some particular, you know, athletes because they have to sit there and go, hang on, why do I actually do this? You get the you get the answer well because it's fun or I like the social side. But okay, yeah, let's put that aside. That's mm. obviously meaningful for you. You enjoy that. But what are some of the deeper re- reasons and meanings behind the performances and the the actions that you're t- taking to reach those goals that you're taking? Yeah. Yeah. And let's say an athlete has a value of um, being a, a star in front of their peers mm. or, or something yep. like that. In, so they're looking for that aspiration or recognition in front of someone. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And do you find ever that you you need to guide 
the values of an athlete? I don't think they can ever be guided by someone externally. Um, they can be supported in finding that because it's just a matter of, you know, I could write down five things on a piece of paper and say to you, here, Peter, this is your values. This yeah. is what you value in life. And if you don't have any connection with that, what's the point in having them there? Yeah. So they need to be developed or, um, you know, constructed from the individual. So from what I value is completely different to, say, the client that's sitting in front of me. But finding a common ground with them and saying, right, okay, this is what you're about and this is why you do the things that you do, I respect that. So let's use that in the way that you can perform and the behaviours that you put in place to, um, to perform. Yes, yeah, so I don't think it's a matter of saying, here's, here, here you go, here's some ideas see how you value those, it needs to be constructed and come from the person so that they can then, you know, have some sort of connection to it. Yeah. So it's almost like the values become the North Star. That, that's yeah. what the athlete is guided by. Yep. Then they make... Southern Cross for us. <laughs> and then they keep... Um, their awareness is open so yep. that they recognise they're doing the things that they need to do to stay yeah. on track. And the thing is, is it could take us... Either way. Yeah. So, for example, if you're, like, when I say, you know, the, the goal, it's not a goal, it's a, it's a journey. So, yes. if we're trying to achieve, say, um, if we use Adam Scott for an example, you know, he's had these goals of um, reaching particular events or yeah. performing well in particular events. He may go round about and round about. We've seen him at, at British Open, you know, um, unfortunately not go the way he wanted. Well, that's not taking anything away from his values because he's managed to just drift apart mm. and just drift away from his goal. But okay, that goal's still there. We just need to use our, you know, our values to get there. So, um, yeah, so it doesn't always have to be an end point. It's what's, what's taking us to those, those different goals that we've got. Yeah. If that makes sense. And so that makes perfect sense. Yeah. And then along the way, when the the thoughts are coming that are unproductive, mm -hmm. you just acknowledge them and just move on yep. anyway. It's like I suppose if you if we're using it in a boat analogy, it's like that the tide it kind of drags us a little bit that way, and then it'll drag us again. But if we're staying on track to the you know the values that we want, they can pull us either way, but we're able to keep going on that journey that we're trying to take. So with athletes, it's just a matter of going right. We know that you, say, want to reach Olympic success or we know that you're trying to reach a certain championship, but what kind of behaviours and values can you put into your training and your competition that's going to help you get to those goals? It doesn't matter whether you reach those goals in the end. It's about the, um, the meaning behind those and whether you can be satisfied in how you've gotten there. Yeah. Yeah. That's excellent. Yeah. And look, there must be some funny things that happen in... Obviously, no name. No, no that's all right. I'm not sure. Um, I've had some interesting conversations with some people about some things, but I suppose you can use a bit of humour when it comes to if an, if an athlete can come into me and being really, really, you know, stressed or really wanting to work on something, um, we can have a bit of a laugh, and it it does it diffuses it a little bit. If we yeah. can, you know, detach ourselves from that a little bit and actually look at it and go, oh yeah, that was a bit silly that way of thinking or um 
But yeah, it, it can be quite interesting, but I'm not sure there's any been huge big laugh out. <laughs> I always find things interesting, and it's always good to be able to talk to athletes about certain experiences and stuff they've had. It's always nice being around a, um, a group environment because you actually get to learn personalities and different coping mechanisms and styles like that as well. So I find the interesting side of those as well, just seeing how different dynamics in groups can work, whether you've got a really loud... Um, outgoing person versus a quieter one and how they cope in certain situations. Um, also, you know, very black and white thinkers versus people that really need to nut everything out and understand the whole process. So always an interesting way when you actually meet someone and build a relationship with them and then you can actually start to, to work on certain areas that suit their learning style and their coping styles and everything yeah. as well. So I'm not sure there's been yeah, any funny... <laughs> Funny things off the top of my head. <laughs> Keeping professional confidences, yes. that's fantastic. Yes. <laughs> Emma, thanks very much for chatting today. And uh, for any of the listeners, they'd like to catch up with Emma, they can see her on her website and get in contact with her at sportssitetasmania.com.au. Yep. And I absolutely encourage you to do so. She's, I know I, the work that she's doing in golf is absolutely fantastic, bringing great results with the golfers she's working with as it is with other sports. Emma, thanks again. Thank, Thank you very much for having me.